0: Spider-Man Rears. Today, today I am in charge of these next two uh, Spider-Man comics 7 and 8. Uh, I am Eddie, and I have here with me... James B. Got James B. in the hot seat today. So, I will be kind of running through this comic and talking about what's going on. And James B., you're here for your insight. Brilliant insight as
1: always, right James B.? Absolutely. I look forward to <laughs> uh, to sitting back and. the... Letting you drive, similar to the way that uh, the Vulture let Spider-Man drive as he rode him down to the parachute later in this issue. <laughs>
0: Correct. Well, for talking about the future, the future is now. Well, promises to be lots of action and chaos and excitement, and that's that's not just me running the podcast. That's also the comic, too, going on here. So let's go right into it, James B. Before we get started, the return of the Vulture here, I mean, the Vulture's back. Do we after all that Spider-Man's been through do we think that the Vulture is a um, a uh, villain that is worthy of such a prolific superhero as such a prolific superhero as Spider-Man I mean he's already showed that he's he's been difficult for Doctor Doom which the Fantastic Four have regular trouble with Doctor Doom what do you think of the Vulture James B I'm
1: going to I'm going to answer your question by answering the real question which isn't is the Vulture a worthy opponent it's why is the Vulture returning And the reason for that is because at the end of issue two, after the Vulture was there, you know, they went on and did the next thing with Doc Ock and other people. And at a certain point, we've got a lot of good positive feedback. We're going to make this a monthly issue. Hey, we're going to bring back the Vulture. And it even says we brought him back because of all the positive response from issue two. Basically, the letters, Eddie, they rolled in after issue two. And they said, that was a good comic. And they said, yeah, pff, let's bring back the Vulture. There was no uh, bring back the Tinkerer or bring back the Chameleon. I'm sure they would realize to bring back Doc Ock, and uh, I'm sure he'll be coming up again soon as he realizes he's even a better opponent. So is he a worthy opponent? He's better than the Burglar and the Chameleon and the Tinkerer. So, sure. I mean, uh, it, it's 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 notable how much
0: Stanley and company kind of recognize their fan base and appeal to their fan base, particularly early on. I mean... They don't have to listen to their, their readers, but it's, it's, it would be wise to listen to their readers. And I'll go on record for saying, fundamentally, I mean, I am often, I like the, the stranger side of Spider-Man. And just like the close-ups of the Vulture, he's such a strange kind of looking villain in my opinion and a, a little more a little more in the future here that it be noted vulture is the only superhero thus far correct me if i'm wrong who has maimed spider-man broken his arm i mean he, you know like clearly hasn't killed him but right am i wrong james b he broke his arm is anyone else wounded spider-man in a serious sense
1: it's not a break it's a it's, it's just a sprain uh so peter doesn't have to not he does not have to go to the hospital if you remember in the issue, it's just a sprain, so it's he go, okay. He
0: goes. He has to go to the doctor, and he's got to wear a sling, and it's a reoccurring problem for Peter all throughout this issue. So I'll, I'll continue on unless you have more to
1: add here, James B. You okay? No, please. I, I look forward. Let's let's. You tell me what happened in this issue. All so right. The all know. right. So, so
0: Vulture's in. He's in prison, and he's an exceedingly model uh, prisoner. And the guards are like, "Ah, oh, he's such a good prisoner. Let's let him do more stuff because he's so good," which. I, you know i don't know i don't know if that's a wise thing to do for a noted supervillain of the age but they let the vulture work in the machine shop uh, in the prison and he manages to fabricate a new device that allows him to fly and at some point he flies out of prison and as soon as he gets out of prison of course he suits up with this with an even better device than he had before he gets his outfit on he, he starts he goes back to his old hideout um james b do you remember his old hideout by chance,
1: uh, yeah, I, I do not.
0: Oh, I love his old hideout. It's a it's an old grain silo on Staten Island where he, he comes up with the uh, the idea where I know I know somebody's got lots of money and the vulture seems to be very motivated by money guy who's got lots of money, Jay Jonah Jameson. So he decides he's going to go after J. Jonah Jameson. I, there's just a little thing that I thought was very interesting here because the vulture flies in and he's like ready. He's like, it's a Friday, J. Jonah Jameson. He's got all his money to pay his employees for his various Daily Bugle and Now magazine. And the vulture flies over and as he's flying over, Peter Parker actually is having a conversation with Jay Jonah. He's got this great picture of the vulture, and um, excuse me, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself too, because um, uh, Peter Parker, before he flies over to J. Jonah Jameson, he has a little um, a little battle with the vulture, and the vulture. Um, Peter Parker thinks he's got the jump on the vulture, but um, he ends up the vulture ends up creating a device that doesn't work with Peter Parker's little thing that nullifies his ability to fly. So, long story short, there's a couple of panels there where Spider-Man. He ends up falling and breaking his arm and then he then we get to the part kind of later on where spider-man goes to get his arm fixed up and the vultures hanging out in his hideout it wouldn't be an eddie recap without some sort of error in the retelling of the story all throughout here so we um, will continue on for now the the vulture bursts in after this conversation he has and um, J. Jonah Jameson is really like in a tight spot here. He thinks he's going to lose all this money to the vulture. Um, and this gives Peter Parker a chance to kind of slink away and become the Spider Man, to which the vulture, he's stunned to see Spider Man walk through the window because he really thought when he had dropped him and broke his arm that that was the end of Spider Man. I'm not quite sure why villains don't go and like double check that Spider Man is truly finished off um, throughout this, throughout many of these comics. But He's definitely not done, and Spider-Man shows up. There's a large battle that ensues um, within the Daily Bugle, and I really enjoy um, James B's Maybe just a small comment, if you don't mind.
1: What, what do you what do you think of this battle scene through here, well, uh, first James of all, B. Li- listen, Eddie. He spent years building up his <laughs> business. Okay, it means everything to him. So you know these filing cabinets and ledgers and files. I mean, you know they're they're very they can't be knocking that stuff and messing it up I, I understand where JJ's coming excuse me JJJ is coming from um, which uh, by the way spider-man one one of his taunts back to him is go slide down a barbed wire fence I wanted to point out that <laughs> spider-man has time to ridicule JJ and Jameson in the middle of uh. his fight with the vulture but yeah I don't blame him for like yo know, spider-man get out of here don't don't fight in my place of business.
0: I mean, he's gone from being like a sweaty mess, thinking like it's over and like the Vulture's got him, to like really laying into Spider-Man, essentially saving him all throughout. It's it's just, I mean, I know it's classic J. Jonah Jameson, but he's really got in his head that Spider-Man is the problem
1: here, not the Vulture. Right? My, right, James B? Well, 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 I want to get back to the fact that this fight takes place because people are flying into windows in these really tall skyscraper buildings. Now, I haven't been in that many buildings, but I got to tell you, I just don't imagine that they should have their windows open when they're up here on, like, you know, the 15th, 16th floor. I mean, in a hotel room, you, you I'm scared when they open up that sliding door and I'm looking down on the, from the 4th or 5th floor. Like, that seems like a big fall. And these guys are like... Wide open windows on the 16th floor, wherever the bugle's located. So, maybe if you close your window, you won't have uh, the vulture and Spider-Man <laughs> swinging and fighting. J. Jonah Jameson. I'm I, just saying. I, I guess if if knowledge
0: was that Spider-Man and the Vulture, were, I might close my window more often than not. Um, if I knew that these kind of characters were just gonna, were just swinging around or flying around the city, right? Well, we, we will continue on. So, Spider-Man and the Vulture get into it, and the Vulture grabs Spider-Man, flies him up way high and he's like this is it and like uh he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna drop spider-man from high above here and just at the last second spider-man glues his winds together with some uh web and it looks like the end for both of them spider-man kind of like he's like uh, we'll both fall down into into the city here at which point um, Sp- Spider-Man like jumps on on the back of the Vulture and makes this incredible parachute out of web, which I'm always impressed with how um, savvy Spider-Man is at making things out of his web, at basically sewing things on the fly, <laughs> and makes this great parachute to which um, he like attaches to the Vulture, and I guess the Vulture's just like totally done now that his webs, his arms or his wings are webbed together, and he uh, sends the Vulture down to safety. Um, at which point, I guess, I guess he's captured again. Do do uh, do you see anything in here, James B, to indicate what happens to the vulture once he parachutes down? Nope. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> it just goes down to somewhere. Um, and Spider Man seems more concerned about going to heckle J. Jonah Jameson, which a great moment is when he shoots him web over J. Jonah Jameson's mouth, you know, not allowing him to yell at Spider Man anymore. And He uh, goes back in the Daily Bugle, makes a rapid change into Peter Parker, and the place is in chaos. And there's Betty. She's all um, kind of upset, you know, at the chaos of the day that happened in the Daily Bugle. And Peter and Betty, they kind of sit down for a moment together, and... um, I think there's a remarkably kind of slick moment for Peter Parker here, where Betty says, "But what will Mr. Jameson say?" and Peter Parker says, "Nothing, baby, for at least an hour." <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> what do, what do you think about uh, Peter Parker? I, we know as Spider-Man he's got some great one-offs, but as Peter Parker, this is a pre- this is a pretty good line, don't you think, James B?
1: So so do you like it bec- more because? it's like the insight that he knows he can't talk for an hour because of like the whole Spider-Man part. Or do you like it because he's putting a move on her saying like, Hey, we got an hour. Like what's the part I, you're telling? What What do you I into? Like,
0: I like the part that he's putting a move on her. I mean, Peter Parker, the bookworm, you know, brainwave puny Parker. It seems to be, he should be this like rather diminutive figure. And he's just like, he's got his arm around Betty. And he's like, nothing baby
1: <laughs> yeah well on that same one page you know he, he does have he does come in the panels looking pretty weak mind if i join you i was hiding in a closet i'm afraid i'm not the heroic <laughs> type he comes in like weak 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 and then all of a sudden he decides like he's like hey he's like jameson can t- can't talk that's an improvement and she's like Haha, you're kind of funny and then he's like hey if you like your perfume and she's like whoa hold on for a second what are you doing here you're being romantic and he's like hey you have no idea so he suddenly they decided for the last three panels to kind of flip the script he maybe he's just getting tired of being bullied by flash he's getting tired of be not being able to be successful with the ladies uh, so no. yeah just flip the script uh, well, I uh, I found it certainly to be startling, for sure.
0: And then I, I'm going to go back to one other part too, um, James B. That I thought was remark was very interesting. And this a little bit foreshadows our like you know most shocking or prominent panel that we typically talk about. Um, you know, on page seven and eight, there's this great page. I, I I mean this is one of the best pages I think. Overall, uh, where there's a very long vertical panel of the Vulture kind of swooping back up as we think the Vulture's been defeated. And he's going to surprise Spider-Man. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, this is the largest kind of vertical panel that we've seen. And I'm also going to talk about on page 8-2, where Spider-Man is falling and he shoots his web up and it says it, it misses. And he keeps falling for like two more panels. It's just an incredible amount of drama. What do you think about this uh, this new kind of panel? Correct me if I'm
1: wrong. If this is a new kind of panel too. Sure, sure. They they usually um, it, it's it's not the first time it's happened, um, but it doesn't happen that often. It it did it did happen when uh, in the Doc Ock issues when Doc Ock is fighting him. Uh, he, Doc Ock would take the entire. To, like Basically, usually it's a it's a nine-panel thing or a six-panel thing, but Doc mm-hmm. Ock did get the giant panels, so you could see Doc Ock's arms all over the place, cast throwing Spider-Man. And if you remember the the, the uh, image when he's getting slapped across oh, the face, good one, for that, sure. is, that is one of them. And then when he fights the lizard, they do something similar, too, because when the lizard's crawling up and down, they kind of change up the format a little bit. I could talk a lot about this, but um, I do realize we are we're already 16 minutes in, and we have a what? whole other one to go, plus uh, a sponsor. Today's sponsor is ICM, okay, and that stands for the uh, International Computing Machines Corporation. Uh, their portfolio of business-ready tools, applications, and robots are designed to reduce the cost of gathering information. Their responsible use of AI is why 30% of global banking institutes use ICM. Join us today at www.icm.com backslash livingbrain to find out more about ICM solutions. I believe... Um, responsible use. <laughs> Sure. This is uh. I, well, we have. I, I think more. We're more familiar with IBM Watson, but um, IBM is not willing to sponsor our show at this time. So we'll uh, <laughs> we'll go with whoever is willing to join us. I'm sure ICM is a responsible corporation as well. well. I. I they, they need
0: to adjust their circuitry and their robots a little bit. I I guess to be more prone to impact. <laughs>
1: Well, if people mess around with things, I mean, you know, uh, bad right. data in, bad data out. they they you know, so garbage uh, in, garbage out. But, human error. Human error, for sure. Eddie, is there any chance today you're going to be able to keep this under 45 minutes? This podcast. There's a there's a thin there's a
0: thin chance of that for sure. <laughs> All right, we will go on here. I will talk about the next the next um, Spider-Man here, the Living Brain. Everyone, the I should say the terrible threat of the Living Brain. Uh, in this one. Uh, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, Peter Parker's at school and this giant robot is presented to his class. Um, there's a couple of technicians there that uh, not so great background checks were done on <laughs> these technicians. Have decided the living brain is a great source for them to um, win a horse, win a win a horse race bet, I guess we could say. Uh, anyways, long story short, the living brain. Um, they put a lot of input in into the living brain to figure out who Spider Man is, and it prints out and Peter Parker looks at it and realizes it says Peter Parker. But just at that moment, he gets into it with Flash, and um, I mean uh, James B. When he gets into the Flash, the teacher decides, um, Flash and Peter Parker, let's take this in the gymnasium into a boxing match.
1: Right? Uh yeah. W- what happens is Peter Daydreams is gonna say Peter Parker is Spider Man, but actually it's in a code and, right. it and he says he says you have to uh you know it's so valuable uh to decode that Flash feels that you know, he's that Peter's too weak to take care of something so valuable, so he wants to take it, and that's when uh, the the principal says, "Okay, I've had enough of this." Now, the he says, "Let's go to the gym." It's sort of like, uh, you know, it's it's and athletes could do this. It could be like two football players, right. two soccer players. You could have them like battle it out on 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 the court. You know, they just happen to be using boxing, some kind of feats of strength or something like that. Sure. I just want to add. I think that this issue really should have featured on the cover. The boxing match, and had the little insert be um, like the Human Torch part. I think that this should have been how you sold this issue. I think Flash versus Peter would have been the the big splash of this. I know that they have the Human Torch on there. My goodness, mm-hmm. how can we go without keep, another? Keep... Another keep bringing fan. the keep bringing yeah. them in but boy i i really think uh in hindsight now they wish they put flash thompson fighting there as the big cover but that's just my opinion on this uh, i have to completely
0: agree because the boxing match is the high drama since peter kind of doesn't, still can't quite control himself and basically he knocks flash out and like uh has to retreat and then the two technicians bump into the robot which sets the robot off and the robot and Spider-Man go into a huge battle here, um, a long battle that ensues with all sorts of different tactics that um, that Spider Spider-Man and the robot get into all throughout. Um, at what point, Spider-Man finally like um, one of the parts of this battle I, I don't particularly like is that the the um, the human brain is reacting to Spider's Spider-Man Spider-Man's every move, and I often think of the spider sense as Um, reacting to any move that his opponent is. So it's like a kind of a one-up in either direction here. Uh, But at the end, uh, Spider-Man managed to reprogram the robot, turn him off, Flash bumps into the technicians as they are clumsily trying to escape and takes a lot of credit for this battle. Uh, James B., the human brain, I mean, I think we can both agree is not such a great villain for Spider-Man. Uh, would you agree with that and why? Why do you not like the human brain too? I uh
1: living brain of course. The living uh, brain, excuse me. The living brain is uh Eddie, he's better than the lizard. I got to tell you right now. This guy's This was a what a much better fight. I, I it was he, I liked that Spider-Man had to keep trying to outthink, you know, this thing. This thing was smart and it tried to hit him with a like a fly swatter with with a door or you know, I thought this was a this was a pretty good fight. I I had no problem with that at all. I, I, I'm not gonna wow. agree with you on that. No, this was a fine. Good, this was a good villain. He you know, he had to adjust all the way. It was like a it was almost a Doctor Doom level fight without he just couldn't comment and he couldn't have his the only only thing the, lacking is he couldn't really have his wise cracks at him. There that, is the biggest problem
0: for me too. I I mean if you want to continue on you can James. Oh, B, I was but, gonna
1: say, but don't worry, they're gonna they're going to save up uh, all the wisecracks we missed and put them all into a seven-page issue, especially in the last three pages of the next short story. Why don't you jump in and tell everybody what we read after we read? that? because well, this is a two. This is like a sixteen-page, and they have a little seven-page at the back.
0: Huge, huge, huge comic too. And I, I'll go on record once again for the the living brain there. My biggest problem was living brain doesn't talk the entire battle, and I. I I must say i do enjoy the talking it's good battle but no talking not not my favorite kind of spider-man battle so the second part of this comic is where spider-man goes and tries to troll the human torch or we i think we could title this part too as the angsty teenage moody mood swing spider-man because he's he's showing up to try to um to impress um the human torch's girlfriend it's really like the premise of what he says early on here. So he shows up and Spider-Man really like wrecks this party and gets into a big fight with the Human Torch, takes it outside. There's, there's a lot that goes on, a lot of battle going on here. And the the part um, about about halfway through, we could say on page f- on page five of this Human Torch, um, little Human Torch part here, Spider-Man says, whew, I didn't expect the Human match to get, Matchstick to get so angry. I mean... <laughs> What what did he expect Johnny Storm to do? You know, um, um, well, when he's crashing his party here, um, James B. I, I think this is remarkable in that the Human Torch has not only has the Human Torch um, inspired Peter Parker to continue being Spider Man. I, I mean, it appeared he was very inspirational in previous comics too. But in the Lizard comic, he was very empathetic to the Connors family, and I, I'll just note his outfit did change um, not too long ago into a much more kind of mature looking outfit. I thought um, Peter Parker and Spider-Man had matured to a, a kind of a, a much more mature level. What, what did you think of this battle between the uh, human torch and Spider-Man James B?
1: There is not a moment in this fight that Spider-Man is not in the wrong. He is a jerk throughout this entire <laughs> storyline. And I, I want to tell you something that I don't, I'm sure you didn't notice But this uh, particular issue is drawn by uh, Jack Kirby and re-inked over by Steve Yitko, who is a Spider-Man artist, which means Mm -hmm. that this was actually drawn by the creator of the the Fantastic Four. And, you know, Stan oh. Lee is also the writer. So this is a very pro-Fantastic Four issue. They And and that's how you read it. Spider-Man's like, I'm going to come in and be a jerk and cause trouble and get in over my head. And then when people try to be nice to me, like, Mr. Fantastic, I'm still going to be a jerk. And, I'm, and when people try to lay out, pull their punches, I'm still going to be a jerk. He's a jerk the entire way, with the exception of the very last part with when he's talking to the Invisible Girl. And <laughs> She even says like, "Okay, want you guys to shake hands and bury the hatchet." And uh, Spider-Man's like, "Hey, go back to your dull party torch. I wouldn't join you on a bet. Haha, I'm gonna get out of here." Yeah, and and he just he's a jerk throughout this whole thing. He's he's terrible. He he snubs
0: the when when Reed Richards and the thing ensues. He snubs them all and just it's like I'm to fight. I'm gonna fight everybody. I mean, I really for me it's like. It's a very teenage mood here. These mood swings that are going in between in between these comics that are going on. Did you wow. have a data reference? I will say in the vulture he says this double identity is uh, jazz is for the birds. I mean I know I've talked about for the birds, but this double identity jazz is for the birds, right? Uh, in the vulture, and then later on um, we have um, once again I, I I stick with when they call it, when he uh, calls Flash a bird brain in. Um, in the uh, build-up to the big, the boxing match that happens, and you know, all that, I forgot. Uh, there's a little side story here I have about that boxing match. My dad was a teacher, starting in, mm, I want to say, nineteen, early nineteen seventies. Had dad, did anybody, did you ever settle any kind of feud between students with a boxing match? And my dad said that the gym teacher, there's a, there's a, a punky kid who was like giving the gym teacher a hard time. The gym, te- gym teacher said. Let's do it let's let's wrestle it out we'll see how good you are and i guess the gym teacher in a display in front of many students wrestled the child you know uh didn't didn't hurt him or anything but just did not let the child the child win in a wrestling match i I mean (laughs) it's pretty hard to believe that such things could occur but i guess I guess it's possible we had like a boxing match or a wrestling match that went on during this era. James B. How do you, how do you feel about that as, um, te- as a way of a teacher settling a dispute?
1: <laughs> um, I'm sure that some kid has tried to show you up. Eddie as being a great musician and you, gave him a piece and challenged him to some <laughs> some piece so i'm sure there's an equivalent but uh, we're getting we're getting oh, a little yeah. late on time here so i want to i want to make sure i get in my uh, insults in my favorite panel all right i'm uh, ready for insults going on so here. uh my insult is uh, at one point um spider-man in the first comic flies over to j jonah jameson he's like hey he's like you know he's probably going to give me a big reward. He's all excited, and he says, I want to know, Jesus says, J. Jonah Jameson's a Spider-Man, I want you to know that I hold you responsible for all the damage done to my building. It's all your fault for butting in! And Peter Parker basically gives him an F.U., but instead, in 1963, that would be the equivalent of saying, say, what are you, a professional nut? <laughs> um, Eddie, um, I am like that you got Again, because we're a little short on time here. You want to whip them some insults and hit our panels?
0: Uh, I'll just use one when uh, the Human Torch calls him an animated insect, which I
1: I thought was a very clever one. Well,
0: anyways, James B., uh, that's the end of me narrating through these couple of episodes. Um, This is Eddie, and we have here... James B. Let's read Spider-Man listeners out there. You have a good day.
2: Welcome. Thank you, of course, to Jeff Keniston for our outro music. Eddie doesn't know we're doing this, so let's keep this between just you and me. Hey, there's an issue in 1987. So this takes place six years after Amazing Spider-Man 8. It is also a special tribute to teenagers issue. It is called Web of Spider-Man 35. Peter is invited to go back to... To Midtown High to be a substitute teacher by the principal. He's regretting it, but he decides to do it for a week anyway. He realizes he didn't even like school. He shows up, and everybody in 1987, uh, people have tattoos and spiky hair and jean jackets. They're kind of looking like, uh, like that little bit of the 80s uh, characters, a little bit of the punk characters, a little bit of the hip hop characters. And he shows up to the school, and there's a blonde kid bullying. It appears. Uh, A a scrawnier, uh, wearing glasses, brunette kid. And there's a girl looking on And Peter has a flashback. This is just like when uh, Flash and Liz and himself are back in high school. And he gets himself involved. And the kid's name is uh, Steve Petty, P-E-T-T-Y. And the other kid's name is Jake. And it turns out that Steve Petty knows exactly who Peter Parker is because he remembers he's the one kid who won a science award. And this kid is really into science. So Peter says, hey, I'll check you out later. He goes off and does a bad job teaching, um, comes back to the kid. And the kid has got this lab set up, and it is the International Computing Machines Corporation, which you know was our sponsor, and that's because this is an ICM lab. And the in the kid's dad, uh, Steve Petty's dad, was a, a scientist working for it uh, of sorts. And he thinks Peter's a big time scientist too. And there's Peter's trying to set him straight that he's really not a scientist. Um, the kid goes up to lunch, gets in trouble with Jake. Uh, Peter tries to tell the kid, "Hey, you could work things out with this guy. Try making some friends." Steve's going to have none of that. He unleashes what he's had hidden behind his little uh, laboratory, and that is the formerly obsolete, uh, donated uh, living brain. That's right. The living brain is back, and the kid is now in control of it. And he sets it off to go after his nemesis, Jake, who's hanging out with you know the girl. And it's attacking Jake, and Peter switches into his Spider-Man costume and he shows up and gets involved in a fight. The, the, the living brain gives him as hard a time as ever. Uh, eventually, he lures the um, the robot, which is being controlled, of course, by uh, by by Petty. Uh, he lures it into an elevator where he forces it to punch a junction box, which finally short-circuits it. Uh, Steve Petty is annoyed, of course. He's mad at Peter. He's also mad at Spider-Man. And uh, Peter switches back to his clothes, goes up to find the kid, uh, and the kid is gone. Um, it is mentioned in the issue that Peter acknowledges that he had a hard time with Flash back in then, but that he's friends with him now. So there'll be some kind of change in, uh, in that relationship over the next six years. Uh, of course, this comic that takes place in six years was written uh, 24 years after the original. Also, uh, Eddie, for you, if you were listening, a couple of references in 1987 I picked up on. He references Sigourney Weaver in Aliens. He makes a joke about uh, his American Express card. Uh, He talks about Pepsi, the Terminator, and C-3PO. So thank you guys for sticking around. Uh, You can reach us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. And we look forward to seeing you next time.